Hi, and welcome once again to What's the Damage, companion show to the incredibly well-known and popular real play D&D show, Roll for Damage. We are back at it again at Krispy Kreme. Um, so on Friday, our heroes, fresh off an encounter with a dragon, made it to Coraline's inner sanctum, having uh, proven themselves worthy to be in his presence. They were able to speak with the god, and Perry received an offer of Coraline's help to control, to help learn to control her natural magical abilities, invaluable help, which hopefully would not be coming too late. Then it was off to Riverrun, where Oriana was immediately arrested for high treason. Yeah, uh, turns out what the party knew about her backstory was perhaps slightly understated. Um, they were all a little bit taken aback by how intense everybody was about the whole thing. Um, the rest of them just barely managed to not get tossed in the dungeon too and went off to meet Lex, who luckily had a plan. Uh, the Shields were able to meet with Kate, Oriana's one-time sort of fiance, who told them about a way that they might be able to secure Oriana's freedom or Oriana's uh, work release program, more or less. And we'll see. We'll see how all that works. Uh, and we'll talk with some of the players in just a moment. And then a little bit later, we will be giving new advice for new DMs talking all about that. As always, stick around after the stream for links, charities, resources, etc. I'm your host, Truth Benson, and this is What's the Damage? Welcome back. Um, joining me today, we've got two wonderful guests. We've got Laura, who plays Peregrine, who had a very big day. Um, and then we've got Khalil, who plays Baltaine, who had a day, had you a know. Day. It was Tuesday. Yeah, it was, it was, yeah, it was Tuesday, Friday, whatever. It was a day uh, in the week. Yeah. We don't know what day one. in the life. <laughs> so, guys, uh, to quote Lex, what's the damage? Again, like I said before, we cut jail builds character sometimes, you know? Mm -hmm. We learn a lot of skills in jail. <laughs> yeah, Again. we were. Right before we came in, we were speculating as to whether or not Oriana was going to get some prison tattoos. I hope she will. Yeah, maybe like a musical note or somewhere, somewhere, you know? Oh, like a teardrop, like, like right here? Yeah. 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 <laughs> like a musical note, like right here yeah, instead yeah. of a teardrop? Oh. 
like like a queer note right there. Yeah. 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 Does it mean she killed someone or something else? We won't know. She can tell us whatever she wants. She killed the instrument. I mean, she she told us she just helped her teacher and gave him a musical instrument. Turned out to be high treason. I mean, technically that was true. (laughs) You know, it wasn't not true. Um, Lovely. It was moderately true. It was in the realm of true. (laughs) It was true from a certain perspective. From a certain point of view. <laughs> you know, she would have passed a deception check. Um, anyway, so guys, uh, Peregrine specifically has completed her quest to go see Coraline. Um, what does that mean to her? Um, it's sort of, like she said, it's, it's, it's sort of every step she's taken has been toward this, whether she knew it or not. Mm. Um, from that moment, right before we got to Dahana, because I did check my notes just a minute ago to see when the first time she saw that blue spark was, and it was on the road to Dahana. From that moment, something was really different. And Mm. this has just been a constant, like moving forward and growing beyond, literally beyond the forest where she was from. Um, And for her, this is, it sounds cheesy to say, but another huge step in her adventure, especially mm-hmm. in her personal journey to grow and learn and be more. Makes sense. Character development. Um, yes, a lot of it. So, so Perry was told something that was really heartbreaking when she was speaking to Coron, which is which was that if she had been able to study her magic like from childhood, then she would just now be on the verge of being strong enough to help her people yeah. with their current issue. Um, yeah, that was a that was a kick to the gut. Um, yeah, yeah, but she was given the opportunity essentially to learn at Coraline's knee and to get sort of like a fast track. Um, here's how to be a sorcerer. <laughs> it's the Cliff Notes version of that book she sorcerer got. For yeah, the Cliff Notes version. And also, like, she was given other options, too. So would you just talk about, like, the decision-making process for Perry? Um, I mean, it's always been, and meta, I've always kind of known since, like, way back before even Session Zero, mm-hmm. uh, when Serenity was like, hey, I have this idea for your character. I promise it won't, like, neuter her, but it would you mind if we did this? It's really, it, I, I have this really neat idea. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, I'm down for anything. I leave gaps in my story for a reason. Like, I don't want to know it all. Um, And so really for Perry, it's been about exploring the side of her that she would never have seen had she never left. She had a choice and she saw it again at Avonhurst. I can stay and I can do my best to help and be ineffective, or I can be brave enough to try something new to walk away from everything I've known and take a step forward. And as she's gone along and the more that she's developed it, the more she's realized, if I'm not gonna explore this, I might as well have stayed home. Mm-hmm. And then to, to get there and to be offered that chance, okay, well, you can you can take the hard way and you may be too late or you can take a chance on exploring something you've never explored before and really have an opportunity to save your people before it's too late. And for Perry, it's it's taking a road that may be harder 
to deal with. It may be more work. It may be harder on her as a person, mm -hmm. but for her, this decision has sort of been making itself as she got there, as she got to that point. And me personally, because I've been kind of, you know, developing her, I kind of knew going in that this was the decision I was going to make for Perry because narratively it's where she's been going all along. Mm -hmm. um, and so like flipping through my notes, I can see like little bits like, what the fuck is going on? Do I have innate magic? Sorcerer question mark? Um, so for her, it was sort of a, no, this is, this is what you've been doing. Take the step, be brave or go home empty handed. Mm -hmm. Because she knows there are other options. She knows, oh yeah, okay, well, I guess I could go and punch Thurs Dune in the face. Um, you know, me and me and my ragtag bunch of friends. Yeah, that's um, the easy option. Or I can go hunt somebody down who might be able to help me. Um, or I can do this myself. And I left so I could do this myself. I'm going to do it. Mm -hmm. Hell or high water. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Lovely. Yeah, it has been actually like really mechanically interesting. Um, like the the little flare-ups of wild magic have been one of the things that make Perry really interesting to watch because sometimes just something completely random is going to happen. Everybody's yeah. going to have to deal with that. And sometimes people won't be able to breathe or all of Perry's stuff will get set on fire <laughs> or there'll be wings or fur or who knows or invisibility. Um, yeah, so like after at this point in Perry's journey, like after she's seen her own power, she's like a little bit more understanding of what she can do and where she can go. How does she now feel about her wild magic? Like, is she more confident in her power? Does it still seem scary? Is it like somewhere in the middle now? It's somewhere in the middle. Like she is more confident um, and she does feel more, not necessarily in control, but able to channel it in a way she hasn't mm -hmm. before. Um, because she sort of understands it before it was this this scary thing that she knew nothing about and she would have never been able to ask anybody back home about it they'd be like Shh, we're not talking about that um <laughs> we don't speak about it we, we don't talk about the arcane stuff we literally don't your brother has secret books um but um now she feels like okay well now i understand it understanding it is the next step to controlling it and for her she feels like she's always been a little bit wild it makes mm -hmm. sense that her magic would be a little bit wild too Dimitri. um cool so baltaim mentioned something um that hadn't come up for a bit i thought which was the fact that baltaim in particular would have a difficult time entering the Shadowlands, which I feel like we haven't talked about for a while because yeah. of his heritage as a fallen Asimar. Um, so how, it got me wondering, like how familiar is Baltaim actually about his heritage and like the history of his family? Like, is this stuff that has come up over the course of your quest or was this stuff you knew before a little bit? Um, well, he, he clearly he, always, he, he knows he's a, a fallen mm -hmm. Asimar. Um, he's where his sister is, uh, Asmar as well, um, um, and he he doesn't like know the lore behind Asmar, but like you know, like they have like a place of like they are of divine blood. He understands like that mm -hmm. general um, 
understanding of them. But it's not it's not like he doesn't he doesn't really particularly like cares in sort of sense, you know what I mean? Like he like mm-hmm. it's more of like I'm me who I am and like what like I like what my heritage is doesn't particularly matter because like of how like my family is like is really like a created family like of adoptedness mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So like he he knows a little bit about like Asmar and like the general sense. Um, but it's not something he's particularly like tried to like learn Study, super about yeah. because it's like this is what I am, but it's like I don't really like it's I, I think it would be like sense of like tieflings, like they know there's some part of the devil, mm-hmm. like nine hell, but they don't like for most part, I don't think most tieflings like which devil am I? Like which like you know, <laughs> thing it's like, you know, like unless they're like really interested in like trying to figure out where their lineage falls. It is sort of like, oh, I'm I have some sort of demonic blood in my family line. Mm-hmm. that's cool I'm who I am sort of thing yeah so Beltane's kind of like a uh, fourth or fifth generation Asimar so he's used to it right yeah interesting although it is coming up a little bit yeah in the plot so we'll see I'm actually quite interested to see how Asimar like fit into the bigger world and how and like if Serenity has anything planned exactly for that race because she's done quite a bit with obviously celestial stuff and gods so it's a little bit connected why'd you fall (laughs) (laughs) we'll find out maybe um cool beans so you guys had some fun talking to Coraline then you called in your favor from that possibly treacherous little goat you helped and who did not help you return I would argue you still owed a favor um but you made to River Run where you have where we have eagerly been anticipating you get um and Oriana got arrested uh like a minute after returning home (laughs) it's all very dramatic it seemed be like that apparently um, so Valtay, you said that you guys were like not aware that Oriana was wanted for treason. Um, I remember you you all talked a little bit with Oriana about like what had happened, but like to what degree were your characters aware that there was something wrong? Because I feel like Oriana had warned you a little bit, but I don't think anyone was expecting exactly what happened. Well, we knew like we knew like she had she was somewhere in the hierarchy of the of uh, River Inn. like mm-hmm. we, we knew she wasn't at the top or she wasn't like at the bottom yeah. she was somewhere in there like she was a noble and she has some she had some like arranged marriage with like one of the triumvirate mm-hmm. uh, which is what would we would I'd assume would give her like put her up in that higher echelon maybe I don't know how like marriage works in this like how that class system works she's we ain't from yeah. there yeah we're not <laughs> we from, from there. there so we don't we don't know what like what the <laughs> rules are for that but we knew she had some involvement in the hierarchy of Riverin, and she like the way she had like laid it out, she was like talking to someone. She didn't like she didn't apparently know what like the backstory of that person was, so like she couldn't mm-hmm. tell us that. Uh, and then she like gave them a, a instrument by accident, and mm-hmm. that led to them breaking out. So I was like. I figure like there's probably some trouble going along with that, seeing how you're a noble and you release someone from prison. So that's not probably a good thing. Um, I don't know. <laughs> I, I probably expected her to maybe that could have, I thought that could have been a potential uh, plot line where like we could have probably, we should have probably 
like someone might be like, oh, hey, are are you Oriana? Like you, you're under like you're under like people are looking for you, like sort of mm-hmm. thing. Um, maybe like to a, like a smaller scale, like there might be like a one at poster, like oh, yeah, not like oh. She's number one on the one at list. Well, like, hey, plastered yeah. everywhere. <laughs> like, Which apparently they were. If you see this <laughs> person, call someone or tell someone, like that sort of thing. So it was, it it, it was like, like the perspective of like what you uh-huh. think is important, what you don't think is important, and what is actually important type of thing. Yeah, um, I mean, because I'm I'm trying to remember because like I write everything down, but I hadn't, mm-hmm. I wasn't writing like little personal details down. Like, unless it seemed huge, I don't like in the, in the, in the course of like some random RP, like we're sitting around, you know, the watch, I don't write that stuff down because, you know, it's just like friendly conversation. So I don't remember specifically what she said about like why the guy was in prison or anything else. Like I knew, Perry knew it was her teacher. So Mm -hmm. giving him an instrument was probably not smart because, you know, Perry doesn't understand how that magic works, but she does see Oriana use the violin to cast. So like she knew, okay, that was bad. This guy got out, but she didn't know that this guy was a war criminal and (laughs) that it was that bad. She knew that like going into River Red, we were gonna run into some trouble, but she was like, okay, well, she just let some guy who shouldn't be free run free now and we're gonna go in and she's probably gonna have to deal with that but like Mm -hmm. then we walk in ha 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 ha. (laughs) and none of you knew and it's none of you knew she was a war criminal wanted for treason we're all like you're like no i'm like oriana genuinely genuinely (laughs) ignorant here um my God. Yeah, I thought you guys were going to talk yourselves into jail. It, oh, it no, also, Perry was going to be very measured. It was that that point, too. Like, I think the, kind of, uh, the way she brought it up, I think at least the ball team, it sounded more so that Cade was the reason she was leaving and not mm-hmm. that she left mm-hmm. because of being, like, like a teacher. And, like, <laughs> yeah, no. From, from Balte's point of view, oh, he's a teacher? Like, oh, Oriana seems like sort of a above the, the table sort of girl. So it's like, oh, he's probably like, was in there for like a fine or something or something like that. Like, you know, yeah, it's like county <laughs> it jail. It's, yeah, 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 for drunk driving. <laughs> yeah, for like, you know, drunk driving. It's like, oh. Uh, magic under the influence. Yeah, uh, it's all right. It, it'd be fine. It's like the, the K guys watch you laugh. That's why. See, yeah, no, I'm pretty sure that's part of what Perry thought. Perry was like, um, okay, well, she was being, because the way that Oriana always told us about the whole Cade situation was that it was an arranged marriage that if she didn't leave she was gonna have to marry this guy right mm-hmm. and like perry was like down for well yeah no girl get the fuck away yeah. Yeah. you know if they're gonna Live make you life, marry somebody girl. you don't like it you, you know you don't want to be with we'll tell them to fuck off mm-hmm. turns out none of that was true uh <laughs> Um, oh, the things but, like, that our was what friends. Perry thought. It was like, okay, well, we're going to go in and, and it's going to be, oh, no. Yeah, we, like, we're we on this jilted fiance. Yeah, so we, we got to, like, watch out. Be, like, yeah, watch out for the higher-ups. You know, things yeah. low and nitty-gritty. I mean, I didn't. Not higher-ups. It's like, oh, no, it's not how it I, I, I will say that Perry didn't think that the teacher was in jail for magic under the influence or some petty crime. Mm-hmm. Um, but like she genuinely thought, well, Oriana probably naively let this guy out because she's mm-hmm. met Oriana. Um, and she's like, Oriana doesn't think either she thinks too much or she doesn't think enough. 
Um, and she's always said, well, I trust people too easily. So Perry is like, okay, well, she probably didn't mean to let this guy out or didn't think he was all that bad, but he was really bad. I mean, we still don't really know what he did. Right? Really bad in their perspective. In their perspective. I mean, I mean, he did design a bomb that wiped a whole bunch of people out. Is that what you Advocate for using it. Oh, okay. I we didn't, but like plot line, we all know based on what happened. Like Perry doesn't know that he was that bad, but she assumes war criminal sounds real bad. I mean, we don't have those back home, but um, it does sound real yeah. awful. That's a heavy word or heavy phrase. Um, yeah, so speaking of that, how worried were your characters exactly about Oriana? Because treason usually carries a death sentence yeah. in every country in every country really <laughs> yeah i was like oh like that's why oh, I, like, that's, I think that's that's honestly why buffing took the approach he did he because he mm -hmm. heard treason he was like oh this is serious like mm -hmm. that's a big thing like like he like from where he's from like he they have law so he knows like what words and law mean Obviously, like he knows, like being arrested, like he not like you know he knows like how that would system would necessarily work. Mm -hmm. So he's like, I don't think she's gonna like she's gonna go to jail. Like, sit sit in jail, stage calm, let us figure out something on the outside, yeah. see what happens. Mm -hmm. But and that's why he was like, and he heard treason, so he's like immediately like, hey, don't do anything yeah. stupid, Oriana, because you making this worse makes your thing worse. Like, like it's already like a, a like for treason, it's already like oh you're. Look, we're looking at putting you in jail for the rest of your life at least and death at the like the worst. So yeah. like sit down, let us handle this since we're not gonna be arrested. Let us talk to someone outside, see if we can get anything and figure out. And if we have to, we'll do something stupid. Don't you do anything stupid. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. like where Perry's from, we don't have a lot of that. I mean, she comes from a relatively isolated little tribe. Yeah, we but like don't she have war because you don't really have contact with other people yeah but at the same time like she's it's like she told sin right like, we still have laws like the mm -hmm. council of elders is not just a bunch of old people that just get to sit there um like we select those people and they're our wisest and you know most learned and all of that so like she understands like the rule and like law like she knows like you don't kill people you don't you know all of that stuff so like she knew things were bad Mm -hmm. She didn't, you know, she didn't know treason. I mean, she, you know, she knows what treason is, but she didn't, you know, know, oh, treason equals death. But the minute we get in, they tell her to shut up and then clap her in irons and drag her away. Perry's like, oh, shit. This is looking. really, really bad. Please, Oriana, do not run off at the mouth. Do not, like, she physically winced. When Oriana goes, you're making a mistake. And I was like, oh no, oh no. Please no. Please, please stop talking. This is not the time for you to try to talk your way out of this. Please no, please don't. I mean, Oriana has, to be fair, Oriana has very high charisma. If anyone could talk her way out of it with roles, at least she could, right? If she rolled well enough, that's the thing though. Our high charisma but characters aren't the ones that get shit done. There's, but there's talking a way out of like, uh, misunderstanding and like talking your way out of treason, which is like, even if you're like misunderstood being treasonous, they're gonna still arrest you and figure out, yeah. oh, okay, so you weren't a felon. Like we need to 
okay yeah. we'll mm-hmm. think about you know we'll figure it out process it they still need to like we're gonna arrest you figure this out ourselves and then we'll come back to you after it's mm-hmm. not yeah not the other way around yeah luckily oriana's a rich mama so she'll probably be fine um <laughs> But who knows what kind of political machinations are happening. Um, yeah, I want to ask that, like, you guys seemed pretty anti-jailbreak when you were all talking about, like, oh, well, what are we going to do? Our friend's in jail. What if Oriana was sentenced to death or life in prison or something equally horrible? Would you jailbreak her? I mean... Oh, that's a long hesitation. I mean... Well, like, it's- I mean, okay. yeah, go ahead. <laughs> okay, it's rough because, like, as a person who wants, you know, our good friend Jake's character to survive um, and whatnot, um, and also as a person who loves a good heist, um, mm-hmm. person heist, it would it would be it'd be interesting, but at the same mm-hmm. time, like, there's a question of would it make things worse. Is there like another way? Because like Perry's really like, let's stop doing crazy rash shit Mm. because that's what we do. And it gets us in trouble every time we've had a major problem like that. It's because we've done some shit like jailbreak. Um, So Perry is like, oh no, let's, let's, let's think this through. I'm going to be the voice of reason here. We can't, you know, go and bust into a highly secured prison, I'm assuming, and get our friend out. But also, like, the idea of if she's sentenced to death, I think we would try at some point to to come up with a way to stop her getting executed. But Mm -hmm. I don't think it would be a jailbreak. Or at least for Perry, Mm -hmm. it wouldn't be a jailbreak because she'd odds of success would be so slim and it could just lead to all of us dying yeah uh there's Baltaim would be pro jailbreak he seems like a jailbreak person or has he been has he been tempered by the past um few months i mean kind of like he He did make that promise to avandra he was he was he was a voice of reason he was uh considering other options uh, he would if if this was like a different like a smaller town probably that probably would be mm-hmm. on the on the on the on his list of things we could do reasonably to like just go out there like hey what about jailbreak guys like you know we, we could probably do it it might we be dangerous probably do it. We'd probably do it. yeah it'll be fun it'll be like two hours um yeah it'll be a couple of hours but we could do it we just have to head out after that but i think i think knowing just the scale of the city that that is unreasonable even for Baltine's gutsiness mm-hmm. and and craziness um i think he he would plan z yes that's that's like it's on the table it's like the mm-hmm. literally the last thing we have to do if we yeah. can't do anything else i think he would probably the I think Buffy has been the, the least favorable for acting like uh, Lux Turner for any favors at all. He's been like, let's do these favors, get them out of the way so we can stop owing people things. Mm-hmm. I think that is the one thing he'd be like, all right, you know, this is important. We're, and they know that this is important. We know that they know that we're tasked and we've been marked. 
this is something that we need everyone working together to stop this thing bigger thing bigger than us. If we have to break some of the rules, break some of the stipulations, break all the the norms for some things, sometimes then sometimes the gen, the ends justify the means. So, so he probably would have pleaded with uh, Luck to turn up to mm-hmm. at the, if that was the, the only choice <clears throat> to try to help figure out some sort of prison break or some sort of leveraging their power or our power together. Yeah, gotcha. <clears throat> But luckily, it seems like it probably won't come to that um, right. because you guys did uh, score a meeting with Cade, Oriana's almost fiance, um, who gave you a quest of sorts, uh, investigating an individual who you'd already met and already thought was shady. Oh, you were right. Um, so how how do your characters feel getting like embroiled in political intrigue in this country, which none of you are really familiar with? Um, it is political intrigue. It's happening. It is. It <laughs> yeah. Is. I wouldn't say Baltimore's not unfamiliar with this country. Also. Um, That's fair. But. True. Um, I don't think he, he, like, he doesn't really care. Like, he, like, cares in the sense that he's, in, he cares that, like, there's, we're involved in now, so now he has to care. Uh, but he's like, I don't really care about your politics. I don't really like. I don't really care about your, who wants to be court dictator general guy. Like he's like, eh, I don't really mm-hmm. care. Um, I think he. I don't know. I think he. He's too much of a at face person. Like he like, he likes to say things at face. He likes to listen to people and see if they are taking things to him at face. That this, mm-hmm. it might be a it might be an issue for him um, trying to navigate through it. Um, yeah, he's very straightforward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and I think I think the politics might be. I don't think it's if it, the saddest saddest thing. I think other than Orion, I think he's the only one that is like aware of like what's like politics type of thing is. I just don't think he has enough like tact in like know with all to like try to navigate through it oh he definitely doesn't have enough tact we've seen him just like try to barge into a noble's house and yeah. just like walk on in yeah. um but i mean like Bonnie i get believes it. all are equal noble random person he'll barge into all of their houses i mean and that's that's totally fair i mean the thing is like this is so far out of perry's wheelhouse mm-hmm. like perry is uh terribly nervous because like she cares because A, she believes in fundamental fairness and she thinks that corruption is bad. Um, that if, if somebody's doing something that's gonna make things bad and unfair or cause problems, then she wants to you know solve that problem. But she's really, she's in this because Oriana is in jail and she mm-hmm. wants to save her friend, um, but she has no idea what she's doing. And she's both naive and also kind of like, upfront no filter person who's gonna tell you like she's gonna tell you like it is um which is going to be highly problematic um and she has no idea how stuff like this works none she is probably one of the most likely to just like walk up and be like what you're doing is wrong and you should stop it and also i know what you're doing (laughs) i see you i disapprove 
I stay in Peregrine. I am staying at this hotel. <laughs> this is my room number. Well, no, she has learned like that sort of thing. Like she's really uh-huh. hesitant to like give away her own name and stuff to people she doesn't know who seem super powerful. Um, but like she is the one that's just like I see everything. And I am, I am observing you. I want you to know. I could read your lips from over here. I know what you were saying. Um, and that's dangerous. He's watching you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I'm going to ask you guys to speculate wildly for a second. Do you think this strangled vine thing might have something to do with that weird cult that you know is operating in Reverend? No. No. I don't. I don't. For some reason, I feel like no. I feel like that's a separate thing. I'll be totally wrong. I feel like, I mean, okay. When I say no, I feel like there could be like one or two things that like help involve that, but mm-hmm. I don't think it's connected. Yeah, I don't think they're intertwined. No. I think right. like there's probably some, there might be a connection, but I don't mm-hmm. think that they're intertwined and like we're going to be like solving all of Baltaim stuff with this undying king thing. Mm-hmm. and the strangled vine thing at the same time. I think that they're two separate entities that might be, might share some things. They use like the same evil convention center. Yeah. yeah like, they're the on same the same, same holiday inn, but like one person left their notebook from the last one. They're like, oh, how did this get here? Like, oh. Yeah, they share caterers and stuff. Yeah. Like they, they have the same planners, but yeah. not, not the same members. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We'll see. So many intrigues in one city. Um, so it's been a while since I feel like we talked about this cult of the Undying King. Remind us what we know about this and when we found out. Do we find out about this with the brain thing or is that it's been so long? Uh, yeah, this is on you, Khalil, because I don't have much so of anything. This was when we were in Zerith, uh, yeah, Zerithmar. Mm-hmm. Um, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. The country is Saracan, but the place is Surfmar. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we were in Surfmar, and that was the place where they went to the ruins with the undead in it, and uh-huh. that had the um, like the body parts all exploded and like the brain in the jar thing. Yeah, it was the brain in the jar. Um, brain and in that jar. was brain I think jar. the the note Baltimore had found had was talking about the attack on Riverin. Mm-hmm. And that there was something going to happen in River, or they were moving something to Riverin. We don't know if it's an attack. I think we're just assuming it's an attack. Um, yeah, we've all assumed they're going to attack Riverin. Right. Um, at this point. But there is, um, there was a note that was left, and there was something not re- like not readable, um, mm-hmm. it was, and it was like the the, the the quote of the you, and like that's that's where that whole thing is like. Uh, come together of the, the, and that's what he's like been piecing by piece, making up, like pick, uh, figuring out and had some, apparently from the last we saw of Dobby had some connection with Butcher, but we're, mm-hmm. we're not super sure since of the Dobby dying situation. Yeah, it sure is a shame. He only shared that information with Baltaim. Yeah. <laughs> And no one, no one has the, the wherewithal to act about anything else about it because he's all I know about it. So it's like, yeah. Well, I'm sure it will turn out to be interesting. This attack or item or whatever it is that's shown up in River Ren. I get some answers. Um, 
Awesome. And with that, we're going to move on to our topic for today, which is new DMs, brand new DMs, fresh out of the box DMs and advice for them. Um, so we're talking about like how to prepare for your first game. I thought this would be a good week to talk about since no one here, except for Serenity, who's not on camera, is like a super veteran of D&D. None of us have run more than one game. Laura, you are currently uh, prepping your first game ever. Yeah. So I thought we should get uh, <laughs> the perspective of a new DM while we're doing it. Um, so guys, first question. Um, when you were like revving up for your first campaign or as you were currently revving up for your first campaign, what were some of the things that like you worried the most about? Like what kept you up at night when you were uh, just planning, writing everything down and trying to get all your ducks in order? Is that the right, all your ducks in a row? All your ducks in a row. <laughs> I mean, right now it's imposter syndrome. Like, mm. I'm afraid I'm gonna suck. Like, that's literally oh. the fear is like, well, the other thing is, and, and I have a problem with comparing myself to other people. Like I'm in games with some really phenomenal DMs. And so mm. I'm like, I've never done this. I don't know what I'm doing and I'm gonna suck <laughs> so bad. Um, but I think that's the thing that, that right now is the most concerning is like getting mm -hmm. it all put together while also dealing with that voice in the back of my head going, you are gonna suck so bad. This is gonna be the worst. Nobody's gonna wanna keep playing. First session's gonna be balls. Um, <laughs> well, it's stupid and you shouldn't listen to it. Yeah, yeah I think I think that's also one of the things I was, is it's more so of like, I want everyone to have a good time feeling mm -hmm. like I want, uh, like, is this going to be boring to people? Is, is this like too in my head of like, oh, I think this is cool, but like, whatever mm -hmm. people think this is cool, whatever people like enjoy it, will they ever feel like the same about it? Um, that sort of feeling, um, that like anxiety of like, I want to please everyone, but like, mm -hmm. make sure that everyone's having fun at the same time and like have, is having a good experience. Um, that was one of the things that I was like, oh, I don't like, ah. Uh, uh. <laughs> yeah. Uh. Yeah. Uh. I mean, I think that's part of why the first thing I'm running is a module. I'm going to run Icewind and I'm going to modify it to, you know, suit my players and because I can't leave things alone. Um, but like, <laughs> I'm quietly working on some homebrew uh, that, you know, will maybe someday see the light of day, but it is not going to be my first foray into DMing because mm -hmm. like a lot of the stuff seems really cool to me, but what if nobody enjoys it? Like, what mm -hmm. if it's boring or lame or seems too cookie cutter or seems like something everybody else has seen all, all the time? Like, I really want to yeah. make sure that I'm going to create a game that people enjoy. Like, cause that's what matters to me when I play. I want to create that same experience. That makes sense. I don't know. I'm trying to like cast my mind back. I had like a little bit of doubt, but honestly, I think I really benefited from not really knowing shit about D and D when I DM'd my first game because I was supremely confident, <laughs> despite the fact that I did know shit about anything. Yeah. And my and the first game that I um, like the first game in the campaign definitely sucked, but <laughs> luckily it sort of like smoothed out after a while a little bit, and I had a ton of fun. Um, but what you guys think like new DMs can do to like boost their confidence or to just like plan around their anxieties and like get over that hurdle to be like you know what I can do this and I'm playing with my friends so they'll be nice even if I suck. 
alcohol. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Interesting. I'm, I'm kind of. I mean. <laughs> Um, I, I think what I think Laura said, uh, said uh, has said said earlier. Uh, using a module to start and like just mm -hmm. tweak, tweaking it, it really is a good confidence booster because it's something, it's a storyline that you like is already like passed out, so you don't have to like work solely on doing that. You can like tweak things where you like it and where you see fit it to be, and like change characters and change ideas. Um, so it's a less daunting approach and like building this whole narrative and this whole mm -hmm. character arc for everything uh, because they already have that naturally in the, the modules and it kind of gives you like a, a it gives you something to hold your hand to if you like get a little bit off the wheel like off the, the yeah. sometimes and so you can like uh, uh, I don't know where they're going I don't know what they're doing but you kind of like look what does like, the oh. book say they should be doing right now right they should, um. be, should be here ish and it's if they're like, not uh, here, okay, you can go yeah. here and then like loop back to here sort of thing. It's like, okay, they turned left have, werewolf. <laughs> yeah, a lot of models have like a little bit of openness in, to, in them. Mm -hmm. So they're like, if you if they're in chapter three, you could do, you could do like, I think uh, Water Deep or something like that, stuff like mm -hmm. that. They have like different chapters for different mm -hmm. seasons. So you can be like, oh, if they did this, you can do this in a later chapter. Um, so it's a lot of, yeah. it's a lot of less daunting tasks. So it's like easier for you you to grasp a narrative and then change it how you see fit and how you want uh, your story to go and how you want their arcs, their character arcs to go as well. So structure to alleviate some of the pressure, essentially. And alcohol. And alcohol. Uh, was, uh, Khalil, was your first game that you ran a module? Yes, I, I run a, 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 um, the Lost Minds module. Mm -hmm. Nice. I completely homebrewed my first game. <laughs> I don't regret it. It's, um, it's, 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 it's not like it's impossible, but yeah, it, it, like you yeah, can it was very hard before. though. Yeah, I overprepared that whole thing. To be quite honest, I ended up having to like throughout the last half because I moved, so I couldn't run anymore. I lost half my players halfway through. Um, it was a mess, but everyone everyone said they had fun, so I've chosen to believe them. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, uh, cool beans. Um, yeah, so actually, I'll start with Khalil. What was the process like for like prepping your first game and getting to the, the time when you're actually around the table playing? Um, for me, I like to, because I was doing a model too, I think mm -hmm. I, I like to get, get everyone's character stuff and then like get a little bit of time to like see how I want to work in their character stuff into mm -hmm. the story. Um, like maybe uh, like for like Lost Minds, there's like sometimes there's like um, faction stuff like uh, for the, the, the various factions. So you're like, hey, your character is like already like a rogue and like they do like Phoebe stuff anyway. Would you like to be mm -hmm. part of the Zentarum or something like that? And then like when that comes up in the story, you're like, oh, I know this is something to do with my character or had some like mm -hmm. this faction has something to do with my character. So like that person might know that person or you might like work for that person. So it's like it, it I like to get the character stuff first and then like try to like sprinkle in little character story bits and like things in there and and then like sort of plan the 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 ending part of like mm -hmm. how I want this to end and then sort of like work it backwards from there. 
Yeah, doing like character backstory stuff is always super fun as a DM because you do get to like weave it into your narrative and oftentimes it like changes your narrative in cool, interesting ways. That is communal storytelling. Um, So Laura, like what you're currently working on your campaign, what is the process like? Um, Well, right now um, I'm doing a lot of like reading through the module because I am a type A person and mm-hmm. I like to be prepared and I'm like writing some stuff down and I'm kind of like making notes of things like oh no I see this and I don't like it and I honestly think that this seemed like this feels railroady in a way that's unfair mm-hmm. so I'm like I make a note or I stick a sticky note somewhere and say okay well when I get here I need to you know look at this um in the meantime like I'm talking to people about like what do you want to play um what kind of backstory do you have um do you want to be from here or do you want to be like, do I, do I need to figure out why you're here? Uh, mm-hmm. And that sort of thing, because it helps me to know, like, because getting started in that first session is what I'm the most nervous about. Cause like once the ball gets rolling, like I've yeah. been in enough sessions to, to know that like your players are going to pull you through um, and you're going to have to follow them anyway. And you can only be so prepared for what they're going to do because they will do things because I do things that throw the DM off. Um, mm-hmm. But like getting like a, a good notion of like where we're gonna start because I'm doing Icewind and you've got like 10 different towns to start and you have to pick which town you're gonna start in because that's gonna start mm-hmm. your quests. Um, so for me, it's it's easier if I've got like, I know where everybody's gonna be or where they're from or who they are and then I'm gonna build from there. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I've got like a couple of little notes of like some tweaks and things I'm going to do to, to make it easier for characters to interact and that sort of thing. Cause one of the hardest things I think is going to be like making sure the party gets together and stays together. Mm -hmm. Um, because I know like in things like Strahd, you get dropped in there and unless your DM knows like why you should stick together, if you people Mm -hmm. aren't all from Barovia or didn't all come in at the same time, you're going to, you know, you're going to want to gravitate away for a minute. And like, if you can keep the party together, you can keep the story moving. It's really hard to keep the party together sometimes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, so speaking of like that first session, which is nerve wracking always. Uh, Khalil, what was your very first session like? Do you remember? Um, yeah, uh, it was It was pretty um, standard, I would probably say for mm-hmm. these terms. Um, it, it was just a lot. It was just a lot of like kind of the characters trying to feel out what they are, who they are, like how mm-hmm. I play, how they play. Um, sort of like a little bit of a, a like a like again like it, it, the little glitches to see like how like kind of smooths out smoothed out away away on the line like when we went further. But um, it was it was pretty standard. I don't think there was uh, there wasn't like any like major like issues or anything like that there wasn't like thing like astronomical it was just sort of like that sort of nervousness of like trying to like mm-hmm. figure out uh okay you're this person okay got it uh this person's supposed to be here at this moment okay like that sort of thing yeah yeah I um kind of wish I had done that I made the not a mistake exactly because I think it was a cool beginning actually still but I made the decision to drop everyone right into the plot right away um like day one i also made the possible mistake of introducing two very important npcs in the very first session <laughs> and i was a nervous wreck so i completely forgot what they both sounded like <laughs> um yeah i practiced their voices and everything and it was just like oh well that's all gone 
but yeah, like honestly, I think new DMs should expect to be kind of nervous on their first in their first session, and also know that like it's not going to matter really that you're nervous in your first session. Like it will be fine. Um, did you do too? So when did you guys like make the mental like flip where you were like, you know what? I actually do want to run. Like I don't want to just play anymore. I want to create a world and have people play in it. Uh, well, for me, it was just like, I was tired of like shitty dance. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're like, that's I can a do fear. this better. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I can probably do this better. I don't, I like, I don't like, I like, I knew the rules and stuff like that too. So it's like, I, I like, I'm fairly knowledgeable, like how the mechanics work. So I was like, okay, that's, and, and like, be honest, that's honestly, you don't even need that to be a DM. You just, you don't need to have like a super like mechanical mind to like, like to DM something. Um, but that's why, like, that's how what I had thought of, mm -hmm. uh, in the, for being a DM. So I was like, you know, I could probably do this better. I could probably figure something out better. Uh, than what crap I'm playing right now. Um, mm -hmm. So I'm going to do it myself. I'm just going to see if I can do it myself. I mean, I think I kind of always had in the back of my mind, at some point I'm going to, I'm going to DM. Like, I don't want to be always the player. Um, and of course, like Chad has always been the, always the DM in our relationship. Um, and I've seen how like, part of it is also like, I know people who that's all they get to do is they never get to sit and play. And that kind of sucks. And I'm like, I, I think that if you if you can, try it at least once. I think like everybody should try to DM at least once because the one thing you will get is understanding of your DM and like what they go through. Like I, I always try to like remember to tell my DM we've had a good session. Mm -hmm. Like I know what it's like to be on the hot seat for other things and to be there the whole time and be the one in charge and have to keep us sheds on track while we do things like make up dumb nicknames for their hard work. And they're That's like, the oh, his character. I mean, their backstory and everything. Uh, his name's Scrotum. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Like, oh, my God. Okay. Or just like completely by like going around the plot. Yeah. 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 Um, so, like, I always figured, like, at some point I want to do this and like, I've always wanted to, I have this like really detailed homebrew world in the back of my mind. Mm -hmm. I've always wanted to put it together. And part of me is like, I want to play in this world, but nobody else is going to understand this world the way I mm -hmm. do. So if I want this world to be real, I'm going to have to run it. So I should learn to DM. Nice. Yeah, I don't actually remember when I decided I wanted to DM, I think, at one point, I was just like, this would be fun, it looks like. And then it was. I was right. <laughs> um, I mean, that's the other thing. It's like, that looks yeah. like fun. Like, I'm not one of those people that I never that. want to DM. Like, I never want to be the one that has to run the world. That looks boring. No, that looks really fun. Yeah, it's fun as hell. Like, you know, all the lore, you get to write a bunch of stuff. It takes hours and hours and hours. <laughs> uh, hours and hours and hours. Oh, God. I feel <laughs> more as a DM than I ever has have. I, like, need to get... The chops that I had back then back. Um, anyway, so do, 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 do. do you think it's a good idea for like people who are getting into DMing, DMing or want to make that transition to like experiment with um, like one shots before going into like a longer campaign or? 
Can you just jump in? Doesn't matter. Yeah, I mean, I would say probably, yeah, doing one shots, modules, you know, structured yeah. things first would help mm -hmm. you just mm -hmm. get that, like the, the timing of things, the like narrativeness of things, how things um, sort of progress, that sort of thing, that feeling if you've never done before, I mean, yeah. and you don't like have any like, under, like, like any like visual things that you've seen before or something like that, like that, that very much helps like get you like understanding the like the foundation of how this works so you can like sort of like break away from that if you want to. Mm -hmm. Timing is a big thing and like the only way to learn that is just to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think not to like downplay doing a module because that's what I'm going to do, but I think like modules are like sort of a way of having the bumpers up when you're bowling. Like you mm -hmm. have something that's going to keep you on track. So you're not going to get super lost, hopefully, if you can, you know, interpret the story. And like, for me, that's why instead of like diving into something that like, I'm going to get lost in the weeds in this because I don't have like, a, you know, a, unless I have, unless I sit down and write basically a module out of what I've built, I could get easily mm -hmm. lost. But like with a module, I got the guardrails, I can just sort of walk along them and let things just sort of progress and branch. And if we get to the end and we have more story to tell, then I'll branch out and be, you know, mm -hmm. take the bumpers off. Um, what's the hardest thing about like trying to set up a new campaign? Uh, I don't think I'm far enough in to say, to be honest. <laughs> what's the hardest thing so far? I think it's just like, it's a lot of stuff all at once and you have to sort of break it down into steps. Otherwise it's really overwhelming. That's for me has been what's the hardest. It's like, there's so much to do. Where do I start? Yeah, yeah, I hear that. Um, there, there's just so many like different, like there's different levels of difficulties with things and like each step of something of DMing, especially like, in, like just, just like, like Laura was saying, like trying to like, I have this vomit like dream in my head. How do I put that in a coherent like idea and story? Mm -hmm. um, how does like making characters can sometimes be like difficult because you don't want to be mm -hmm. tropey, but you don't want it to be like super like this like weird like asinine thing that's like no one's like, what's this supposed to be? Like, okay. Um, and like setting expectations is really hard trying to do like of like how you want your story to go like how it's just a lot of like it, different parts and pieces that are like difficult for their own separate reasons mm -hmm. um I would say probably yeah making the first step of trying to get it down and trying to get everything like the foundation work for, uh, laid for that is, mm -hmm. is probably the hardest part because you don't you don't have anything at that point so like you kind of like need something to like even like critique or build on yeah um but yeah, there are just there's just separate things in each part of it that are just like they're they're difficult in their own right and like have different different intricacy intricacies in it mm -hmm. because of that. Yeah, I think yeah. the other thing though is that you're kind of like when you're a player, you've got other people to rely on to help you like tell right. this story. When you're the DM, like you're gonna okay rely on your players to like pull the story along, but like when you're getting started, you're on your own. <laughs> like, I know that I can, like, shoot a message to Serenity or, 
you know, grab Chad at the dining room table or, you know, shoot a message to Jake because he DMs for us and be like, help. But like, it's, when it gets down to it, it's, it's on me to get this together because mm-hmm. like nobody who's going to play in this game wants to be the one that has to like hold the DM's hand and know too much when the game starts. Uh, what do you think about all the players are really holding your hand? <laughs> in the end in the end um I think weirdly the hardest thing for me was figuring out how to write the notes because Mm -hmm. just figuring out like not the actual writing because I had a lot of ideas I knew how to put them on paper but figuring out the template for it that I could like um reference during games so I'd know where to find things and when forget things and you know what I never totally figured it out I memorized most of my notes <laughs> like start to finish and that um, has been one of the hardest things like I don't yeah. know how to write this shit down like how am I going to reference this it's it? just a paragraph what does that mean yeah like I can't skim this whole paragraph while I'm trying to describe something to a player yeah. you can only multitask so much I've, I've come yeah. to find out that too like I like I'll, I have like so many like separate things like just different docs that are just like this is an idea I don't mm-hmm. know if I'll use this idea but this is an idea and I think that's a lot of the times a difficulty for DMs too is that you have so many ideas and you're like they all feel important um and part of you wants to use every idea you ever come up with and so there's mm-hmm. a there's a there has to be like some sort of like realization that you need to like some things are like just an idea you like you can like expand an idea and see if that becomes something but sometimes the idea just needs to let work still so like you don't mm-hmm. have you don't have to use all your ideas you can yeah. it's fine to not use everything you put down um you can save it for a next another campaign like because it might mm-hmm. fit better in something else so like all your ideas don't need to be like crammed in there because like they won't all fit necessarily yeah, that whole million ideas and pick which ones you really want to use thing is really difficult. Like it's yeah. fun for like lore building for an entire homebrew world. Cause then you can just like set up stuff and like, okay, well, these are hooks I can use later. But like when you've got like, this is the campaign, well, you might have six ideas and only like two of them actually fit. Right. Even mm-hmm. though the other four are awesome and you really want to put somebody through this. Maybe, maybe someday. Or maybe you'll figure out how to fit it in, who knows? um lovely so how how do you know when you're finished prepping and you're ready to start how do you know that is the trick you're never finished prepping <laughs> ah, <laughs> you're never question. finished yeah. prepping i i have to this day i've had stuff that is i i like made and like planned to do and like in the moment was like i'm not doing that 86 mm-hmm. is done i'm not doing that i'm gonna change it to something else like in the moment on the fly like had a character plan to come and talk to someone something happened i was like nope i like this better because in the moment it just feels like a right moment so mm-hmm. like you can prep all the things you want and then still again have that on the on the, like on the court decision like uh nah this is gonna happen instead because mm-hmm. it just felt better it felt like the way the characters were reacting to things just felt like a natural progression to it even though like in my head i thought oh we're gonna go abc instead it went abd and mm-hmm. that that's fine. It's that's still good because like everyone everyone still enjoyed it. Yeah, very fluid medium. Yeah, I mean, think I think with like prepping for like your first bit, like for me running the module, I know I'll be done when I at least have a first session down, mm-hmm. and I have all the characters and I know where they belong. And then 
I'll be ready to sit down and say, okay, well, let's roll some dice because I'm one of those people that I can probably prep forever. <laughs> and like at some point you have to just jump in and do. Otherwise the nerves are going to make you chicken out. And then this game is never going to happen. And then you're going to all be disappointed. That'd be sad. <laughs> so sad. Um, lovely. Okay. We're almost out of time. Do you guys have any like last advice for brand new DMs? I would say just, you know, just let loose, just, you know, have, have your, have what your notes, your notes, have your preparedness or your plans and all that, but just let loose sort of like, just feel it out. Just sort of get, you know, get, go into the stupid, like, you know, just go, like, just go into all the, the zany weird stuff, just sort of lean into it. Because if you lean into it, more likely you're going to have fun and more likely mm -hmm. your players are going to have fun. And that's the, really, that's the big point of it like you're as long as you're and your player have players having fun it doesn't really matter about the rules yeah. the plans the all that other stuff it just is you're having fun and everyone else has fun that's the most important part yeah i think that's like really really good advice i think the other thing is like if you're going to do it at some point you just have to get your feet wet mm -hmm. and once you get your feet wet and you ease yourself in just go with it because like you can sit on the you know, edge of the pool forever and be like i'm gonna do this um, but if you never jump in, it's never going to get started. Um, and like, I, I know that this sounds dumb because I keep talking about having imposter syndrome, but at some point you have to just like let go and don't compare yourself to others. Mm. Like, I know for a fact that I will not DM the same way any of the DMs that I play with do. And that's fine. And that's good. Be authentic. Be you, not the DM you play with on, you know, maybe you've got six games. That's a lot. Um, not that I think so many. That's that's a game a day. Um, but like maybe you're in like a couple of games. Don't try to be the DM that you play with when you're the player. Be mm -hmm. you. Be yourself, because that's when your stuff is going to be the best. You can't be somebody else. Yeah. My advice is don't worry, and it doesn't matter if your first session sucks because. I guarantee the players are going to be more excited about the new world that they're exploring than they are going to be paying attention to you. So you've got some leeway. You've got like maybe five, six sessions before people start getting bored. So <laughs> you have time to get your shit together. It's okay. Um, and with that, that is our time. Thank you guys for tuning in once again uh, to this show on Tuesdays which we do every Tuesday. Um, tune in on Friday to see what happens to Oriana in the gang. Remember when? Does she get a tattoo in prison? We'll does find get, out. Does she get a prison tattoo? Does she get lots of prison tattoos? Does yeah. she run the place? Hopefully. Um, <laughs> Practicing her leadership skills. Oriana gets prison. hard. <laughs> yeah. Next episode, Oriana gets hard. Uh, <laughs> starts lifting weights. <laughs> It's super small. This is my jail. <laughs> super small, Oriana. Oh my god. Like a week later, she's a completely different person. <laughs> Lovely. Anyway, tune in Friday for that. Um, check it. Check out our Discord. We've got lots of memes and shit. Check out our um, our Twitch backlog. Check out our YouTube. We've got all of our episodes of both our shows. Check out our Twitter. We've got news and stuff. Check out our Patreon. We've got some cool stuff up 
which I can't really tell you about because you have to give us a dollar if you want to see it, but it's very cool. It's worth a dollar. And new um, stuff is going to come soon. We're working on it. <laughs> yep. New stuff every month. Um, and check out our store. We still got cool shirts and mugs and stuff that you can buy. Uh, thank you to Sunburn and Lady Meows for doing our music and our title card. They're both very beautiful. And I hope you all have a great night. Hope you're either staying cool or warm or dry or not on fire, whatever's applicable for where you are. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>